Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you and Oilers Now. Bruce Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 19990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris Edmonton, the 99th. Uh, Roos Chris to open. And it was on 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor and all the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. All right, very quickly. Just going to read this text uh, that comes in from the Chisler out of Vegas, who's no longer updating us on daily totals uh, for COVID. Uh, I know that a couple days ago they had 900 positive cases in Vegas. Uh, we went a half hour without talking about uh, COVID, Brendan. But uh, I, I will mention somebody said to me, but Bob, Edmonton had 50 COVID cases. And I'm like, yep, a little bit concerning. That was over a three-day stretch, and the province did 7,700 tests in Alberta, which is like a 0.6% positivity rate. The Chisler in Vegas says, Bob, 80s rock only with the exception of uh, Metallica to open shows. No crap songs. Sorry, Eileen. No Donnie and Marie. And is it true you asked Louis Tabrusque to go back in the day? Any truth to that? Um I cannot confirm nor deny that occurred, but I know I would have lost. I will tell you uh, as we bring in Louis Tabrusque. Louis, how you doing? Louis, you there? Hello, Louis. I can hear you. All right, there, we got you now. Uh, I know I never asked you to go back in the day. Do you, you remember Dan Baker, who runs uh, Pub 1905, used to be with the Club Malibu group for a number of years? Yep, skates with the alumni quite often when the alumni are going on. He's still in pretty good shape, isn't he? Yep. We had a little wager one time uh, years ago up in 1991 in Smithers, British Columbia, over who could win a game uh, deploying tree planting shovels of one-on-one hockey. And we ended up breaking the shovels over each other. And uh, he... <laughs> Competitive about everything, right? <laughs> and, and, and I will tell you, I think I still have some of the welts uh, from that because it was basically... A or two still in there. Oh, yeah, it was... <laughs> Bakes landed some big-time shots. And I, I can remember we had all these really nice, sensitive people from all across the country, and the two Alberta rednecks are just hammering each other. And, I was, and our listeners would be happy for this. This, uh, many of them, I, I was mostly losing. <laughs> so it was, but uh, no, I never, I never made the uh, challenge. Uh, we, did we not wrestle one time at the old Nassau County Coliseum in their practice facility or something like that? And, and they, they had a gym that was like from the 1930s, and I thought we were horsing around with some equipment one time, and you threw me around pretty good, as I recall. 
I do kind of remember that. I think it was a makeshift gym outside the dressing room when they reconfigured the dressing rooms at Nassau because the, the rooms kind of used to be reversed. Yeah. Um, kind of where they were. Um, or where you came into the building, for that matter, but they changed it around. But I do remember that, actually having that uh, gym equipment out there. But good old barn, that's for sure. That was uh, that was an interesting place to go play. It always had an atmosphere. All right. Well, we'll get to the serious stuff in the Oilers in a couple minutes. Louis DeBrusque, uh, kind enough to switch days, uh, so Speck, uh, he's got to work all day today uh, for Sportsnet down at the arena. Uh, hey, I know you're a huge movie fan. And I bring this up because last night uh, I finally uh, broke down and allowed the kids to see Dumb and Dumber. And, uh, you know, because <laughs> they're both yeah. now 14, so we can, you know, uh, Hudson's uh, 14 now. So he's now of age to see that uh, show. Is that one of your top five sort of go-to flicks from back in the day? And how old uh, were you when you allowed your children to watch Dumb and Dumber with you? Oh, good question. Um, you know what? Listen, it was a you can't deny it, that was a super funny movie when it came out. I just I just remember it kind of being um, just that slap happy humor, you know, that just crazy stuff happens. And I like those kind of movies, kind of like the Naked Gun movies back in the day. Yeah, with, uh, Leslie Nielsen, you know, like uh, just just funny funny stuff that was just kind of pick apart a lot of different things but uh, i don't i don't honestly remember when the kids watched it they've certainly watched it by now but uh i don't remember ever having kind of a, a governor on that movie as far as when they could watch it probably probably around the same age i would guess when they were early teens did you ever chirp uh, marty mcsorley after he was in con air cam neely no. by the way was in dumb and dumber but did you ever chirp marty mcsorley for being in con air <laughs> it's funny you know what i actually i actually talked to cam neely about that um, he was in Edmonton years ago. This is at the old Coliseum um, and uh, old Rexall. And you know what? I uh, I bumped into him up in the up in the press box on the catwalk and just said, "Hey, how you doing?" And I just said, "You know, I got to tell you, I just I I, I love that role. Seabass role uh, in that movie was just uh, you know it was legendary. Spread number one, he's a hockey player. Obviously, you're you're sensitive to that you'll notice that. But I thought he did a great job. But it was just a real funny scene, a real funny sequence, and. Uh, he said there. He said it was awesome. He loved making that movie. He said it was it was awesome. Those guys treated him great, and it was just a really good, uh, <laughs> um, really good process. He, he spoke very highly of it. And said it was a real fun time making that movie. But uh, no, I never chirped Marty about uh, Con Air. To be honest with you, I you know I saw him in it. You know what? I thought he gave it his all in the scene in the two interrogation <laughs> room, and uh, you know he's getting worked over pretty good, and. Uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, like seeing him in that position where he's kind of not the guy throwing punches. He's not the aggressor. He was the guy that was under the the, the, the tough questioning. But, uh, no, I never chirped him about that. We chirped about other things on the ice. It's funny, you know. Marty's one of those guys that I didn't really hate a whole lot of guys when I played. You know, Marty was one of them, though. Marty was one of them. We had a real kind of nasty kind of back and forth sometimes, and we fought a lot, obviously. But then after... Um, you know, one of the guys that I've done a lot of things with after the game. We've done a lot of charity events together. We used to work together for Sportsnet. You know, it's, it's just funny how that works out. After everything's done and the dust settles, um, you have an utmost respect for those guys because those are the guys that gave you the toughest time. You know, the guys that actually were the hardest to play against, hardest to fight, the toughest guys that chirp the most. A lot of times when you get to know them, you just realize they were pretty passionate about what they were doing. And you know what? You, you actually respect them instead of uh, dislike them. 
I think the last time you fought him, uh, he was with San Jose. Or you might have been with Tampa at that point in your career. But, of course, you had a couple early in your career with Edmonton, like two right off the opening face-off in, in games you were going with Marty. And I, I don't think you were the only guy that he chirped, uh, Louie. Like, I got the sense that there were a lot of guys around the league, and he could fight all day, right? Like, he didn't necessarily yep. throw bombs, but he had unbelievable uh, endurance. And... In fairness to McSorley, he could take a punch. Is that fair assessment? Oh, no. Yeah, he had a great chin. I mean, the the Probert fight he had when he was with Pittsburgh and, you know, Proby was with Chicago. I mean, that was a legendary fight. That was a long, lengthy fight that went on forever, and at the end of it, they tap each other on the head. I think the last fight I actually had with him was when he came back to Edmonton. Okay. He came back to Edmonton, and I fought him when I was a member of the Phoenix Coyotes at that time. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we just, you know what? We, left winger, right defense, right winger. Sometimes he'd start the opening lineup, and that's where we had a couple scraps right off the opening draw. But you know what? He uh, he was good at what he did. You know, he played a lot of minutes. He he carved out a, a tremendous career for himself. Obviously, not the greatest way to finish his career, the way it did finish. But he, uh, you know, what he was one of those guys that uh, he was in the game. He was in the game in its entirety. He knew how to push buttons. He knew how to push the right people and. You know, he made you have to deal with him. And that was that was the most important part of his role was he was able to manipulate that and say, you know what, I can kind of draw a penalty here or there. But when it came time to face up against the big boy, I don't think there was a guy that Marty didn't fight. I think he fought everybody. So he never he never shied away from it. He just picked the right spots and the right opportunities to do it. And not all of us have that luxury. You know what, he was really good at being able to manipulate that because of how much he played and how important he was in that situation. But I have a lot of respect for him now. Like I said, I didn't like him too much when I played against him. Um, and But now afterwards, when I break it down and look at it, um, I, I could have learned a lot from that. He, he was uh, very good at that role, one of the best. Well, you mentioned Bob Probert, and Bob Probert, had the ability to be a pretty good player as well as a guy that could fight. I mean, he had a 29-goal, 62-point season. I remember the 87 playoffs of Detroit. He was unbelievable. He had 21 points in 16 games that year in the playoffs. Yep. But the one guy that I remember that had two sort of Craig Cox. Craig Cox oh. fought him once in Vancouver, and then he fought him in Detroit. And Craig yep. Cox just – he – through from downtown Louis. He was all offense and it was a straight out punch in the face contest and you know Proby had a great chin too, right? He could take shots but Craig One Cox of, the best of all time. Craig Cox hung in there pretty good in those two scraps. You know what? He was uh, he was lanky, he was tall, and he was fearless, and that's what made him really dangerous. He had a fight, I believe, in the first one with Proby against Kosher early on, and did really well against Kosher, too. Yeah. Um, the second one, though, that was always the thing, right? If you were going to fight Proby and you were going to do okay against him, a la, you know, uh, Todd Ewan, when he hit him right in the button, knocked him down when he was a young player with St. Louis, he hit him yeah. right on the button and knocked down Proby, but... Now it was like, oh boy, the next five are going to be really tough because he won't forget that. That's the that's the thing with Probert, who maybe I think, you know, later in his career probably didn't pick his spots enough. You know, he was just so willing to fight the young up and comers all the time. He just never ever backed away from that, which I respect. But you know, he probably had the luxury of picking his spots a little bit more, where he could selectively pick those fights. But 
he took on all comers right to the very end, which, you know what, not a whole lot of guys can do because that's just, I know what that role is like. And if you talk to other tough guys, it gets old after a while. It's not easy to do for a long time. Even Ty Domi, a guy that I never thought would ever lose that spirit to fight, kind of even said, you know, by the end, he was done. And, you know, Proby kind of maintained that right to the end, which is incredible. But that first one with Cox went from one goalie net to the other, all the way back in the corner, and it was a lengthy, long fight. And you could see the stamina of Prober coming in late in that fight. But yeah. then the one in Detroit, which I always remember was on Don Cherry's grapevine that year. That was one of his fights, from you know, highlighted from that year. And, you know, for me, I've watched that fight. I used to watch that fight over and over and over <laughs> again because it wasn't necessarily about how he took punches. It was how he was able to slip punches, too. And that was the thing about Probert that... He could take a direct hit, but he was so good at kind of turning like a boxer would at the right moment just to kind of make it a glancing blow instead of a real solid blow. I know this is kind of getting really technical in the fight game, but he was way more technical than people give him credit for. He was very smart at manipulating, changing his grip, twisting guys, getting them in position to make sure that he could take advantage of it. And then as he would drag you into deeper water, look out, because that's where he really started to come on. And yeah, one of the best. It's a real, uh, every time I talk about it, I'm glad I got to play with him in Chicago for a brief period of time. We got to spend some time together. We actually, he took me to a gaming store, believe it or not. We bought PlayStations together. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was for me, honestly, I know it sounds crazy, but for me, that was one of my idols, right? I always loved the tough physical guys, the one yep. marks, the Rick Tockers, the Proberts of the world, guys that, you know, were as tough as they come, but could play the game and could put goals in and were, were very meaningful for their teams. Every tough guy wants to kind of be that type of player. Wants to develop into that. Kelly Buckberg, you know, a guy that scored 20 goals, you know, carved out a career for himself by fighting for every inch that he had. Um, I always respected those guys, and I was just happy to spend some time with Proby uh, that year before he passed away because I just, he was one of my idols, and I was that's one of my cherished moments was being able to spend some time with him on the same team. All right. Uh, Louis DeBrus joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. Louis, do you know, are you, uh, are you working Edmonton or are you working Toronto? If I'm working, it'll be Edmonton. I don't think I'll be going to Toronto. So okay. it'll be uh, be Edmonton hub, and I don't think anything's 100% confirmed as of yet, Bob, but uh, I'm getting ready. I'm starting to do some prep and ready for whatever gets thrown my way. Louie, I was uh, down there today at the downtown community arena, and uh, the one thing that sort of caught me, I'm thinking back to the fall, and I know you and me discussed this on the road a couple times. I was concerned in, in sort of mid to late October that Edmonton was too slow. And you can't even compare the depth of speed that the Oilers now have compared to the fall. I mean, remember, Yamamoto was injured in, in training camp and went down to the minors. Uh, we didn't have Athanasiu and uh, Innes here yet. Uh, and Nygaard kind of hadn't established himself yet. He got banged up early in the season as well. The guys are health. Connor McDavid has even talked about the fact that you know he's had a, a lengthy break off, and, and that probably helped him, probably in better condition, and which is remarkable when you think about it. To what he was at the start of the year, like Louie, they got a fast team now. The Oilers, <laughs> a really fast team. You know, and I've heard some reports. Athanasio was flying yesterday in that first skate, and. He's the guy you and I talked about him. We talked about him probably two months ago and said, this is a real nice little reset for him. And I know, you know, sometimes that's just what's needed in a season. He had a terrific year two years ago, 30 goals, almost every single game I watched him play. It seemed like he had a breakaway, like he would find a way to get alone on the goalie with that speed. And he is 
ultra fast. Like, I mean, really, really fast. I, I mean, he's one of the fastest guys in the league to have that speed. Um, with McDavid also in the lineup, you talked about Ennis, who plays a real quick, fast game. Um, Nygaard, I think even Gaetan Haas was, was getting quicker at the end of the year. He was starting to make really quick plays. I mean, there's a lot of different guys in there. Josh Archibald is another guy that just really came on through at the course of the season. And he did the same thing in, in Arizona the year before. Rick Tockett had nothing but great things to say about him, the way he was able to come in, find that niche, and just continue to excel in that role and, and provide more. And that's, you know... That's what you're asking for from players. Come in, do what you can do, and if you can, try and overachieve. Try and do more and find, you know, that game, that type of a game. And something that Ken Holland talked about right away, Dave Tippett talked about right away, they wanted to be faster, they wanted to be quicker, but at the same time not sacrificing size. And I think that's really important in today's game when you look at what the St. Louis Blues did last year and winning the Stanley Cup. They grounded and pounded a lot of teams into pulp is what they did. And that's how they won. They had tremendous skill. They had great veteran leadership. They had good young guys. They had every intangible in that regard. But the one true quality for them was, under Craig Berube especially, they played a real hard, solid game. And that's just, you know what? That, that's what won them that cup. They, they beat up teams, and teams were worse off after playing the Blues. I think the Oilers now are prepared for playoff series like that. They can weather that storm, and they can dish it out themselves. You look at their defense, they're big, they're solid, they're mature. Um, their forwards are bigger, but they have that what you want so badly, that speed. So just a good combination. You know what? That's all part of trying to build around the best player in the game and Leon Dreisel exploding this year and winning the scoring title. I mean, that's, you know, you've got two of the best players in the game right now. You can build around that, especially in the center position. And then Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you can kind of place him wherever you want to place him because he's shown that he can play center, he can play wing, he can play with anybody, which is an amazing complimentary player. Um, to have to utilize anywhere you want. So I don't. I expect there to be some shuffling. I really do. Um, but the way they've laid out the lines right now, the only the only thing for me was that second line. It was it was really difficult for me to see that line broken up. To be honest with you, Nugent yep. Hopkins, Drysdale, Yamamoto. But listen, Dave Tippett has, had been tinkering with that for a while. He was trying to find a little more chemistry, a little more depth, a little more depth throughout the scoring column. And I, and, and I just, I truly believe in that. I think that if you can be deeper down your lineup and still be a dangerous combination, I mean, Dreisaitl and McDavid on their own are dangerous. There's a great chemistry with Yamamoto and Dreisaitl. McDavid can pretty much play with anybody who has a nice chemistry with Cassian. And now Nugent Hopkins right now is on that line. But... I just think it allows you to match up against teams that much better. And if you can do that, you can be a threat with any line on the ice. Yeah, well, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, Athan Athanasiu for me is a real wild card. That's that's the guy. Like, what are, yeah. you know, what are the Oilers going to get? From? Right. You know, for me, he's raw. And I think, you know, going through what he went through in Detroit, which was a team that was kind of in a rebuild and bringing in a lot of young guys, and he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit this year after a tremendous season last year. And that's how it can happen. You get off to a little bit of a slow start. Your confidence takes a big, big hit, and you, you're, you're constantly trying to rebuild yourself up to what you were the year before. I, I mean, listen, I, I said it to you before. I think this break is going to be really good for him. I think the break, as much as it was nobody wanted to see it happen for him, he was able to recharge, reset, kind of reevaluate, and he's coming in really motivated. And that's, that's what you want. You know, that's what you want to see. You want to see guys make that adjustment and come in and get on a roll because if he gets on a roll, then that just gives you another element. 
just gives you another element that you can plug and play anywhere and you can mix and match. James Neal's another guy. We saw how hot he was at the start of the year last, this year. Like, I mean, that's the type of, of series he can have. He can be a big-time game-breaker and a big-time game-changer at huge moments. And that's what he's done throughout his whole career. That's why they, they acquired him. So there's a lot of pieces there. There's a lot of pieces there, and now it's just a matter of putting those pieces together and doing it at the right time. Louis, uh, DeBrusque is our guest. Our Oilers Now headliner brought to you by Touchback Safety from Fall Protection, the forklift training. Trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is gold. Louis, one final question for you. Because the teams are a lot healthy, well, they are and they aren't, uh, because we don't know what the impact of COVID is going to be. But True. guys are at a healthier place than they normally are going into the playoffs. Is it possible it could be a little less physical? not quite the same war of attrition because players are healthier and not as worn down. Yeah, you know, I that can go both ways. That can go less physical because you're trying to work your way into it, and it can, yep. it can go the opposite where because you feel so good, you come out punishing. You know, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Hey, we'll have to wait and see the tempo of the games and how they how they start to unfold because I think there will be a feel-out process at the start. So I do believe it will be a little less physical, as you say. But I do know also from being a former player that sometimes the best way to get yourself into a game is to get physical, and that's for everybody. You know, that's, that's just like, you know, your first couple of shifts, we used to always joke in the room, go get a big hit or get hit. One or the other. You know what? If you're getting hit, you've got a puck on your stick, you're in a dangerous area, you're going down the boards, you're going to the hard areas, you're getting yourself into the game. So even taking a hit sometimes can wake you up and get you motivated to get going and try and finish a check or two. Um, playoff hockey's a grind. It's a grind. It's a war of attrition. It'll be more so a war of attrition this year. And I just, I just believe that teams that can kind of blend into that and get into that groove the quickest are going to have the best chance to go on a real run. And there's going to be surprises for sure. There will be a team that just comes out of nowhere and says, you know what, we're hitting it at the right time and away we go. And uh, typically there's that Cinderella story in every playoff series. There's that team that just seems to jump up and rise to the occasion at the right time. I don't know who that's going to be this year. But the great thing about it is, that every single one of the 24 teams that's starting off in this process has an opportunity to be that team. Yeah, absolutely. Louie, as always, we appreciate your time, and thanks for uh, flipping with spec this week, okay? I heard he's a little bit nervous about truculent Thursday. He says it's a tough hole to fill, so... You know what? He's going to have to be a little more truculent on Thursday. I, I can tell you. Going around anyway. I can tell you this: uh, <laughs> when he was on the ice, he was notorious for having tunnel vision, and there were some guys that played a predatorial game out there once in a while that may have skated right through him a couple times because he didn't see them coming. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh here it goes. Yeah. Good setup for Thursday. You guys can have that discussion. I'll listen in. Awesome stuff, Louie. Thanks for your time, man. <laughs> See you, Bob. See you later. That's Louie DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers again. He's our Oilers Now headliner presented by Touchback Safety. It's 12.55 in Edmonton. We're going to merge the breaks here. Uh, coming up at one uh, 1.05, the radio analyst for the Chicago Blackhawks. Some news on Kelvin DeHaan today. Find out what's going on with Corey Crawford. Uh, get some thoughts on uh, on the makeup of the Hawks. This was a team that traded Robin Lehner to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Be intriguing to see what kind of deal he gets in the offseason. Uh, I would think that uh, I know that he was looking for five plus million a year. It's not going to get that in Las Vegas. Um, 
The, the Hawks also moved out former winners uh, prospect Eric Gustafson to the Calgary Flames. That guy had 60 points a year ago. So Troy Murray coming up after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.